0: Supervalue now have more online slots than ever before. Shop now at supervalue.ie. Collect your weekly shop with our contactless collection service. At Supervalue, we're there for you.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Disney vs. Disney Debates. We are in our second round, which means that all movies here are the best of the Disney canon. Now I have with me two debaters today, but before I introduce them, I'm going to introduce to you my fact checker of the day, Miss Georgina Purdy.
0: Hello, hello. How are you going, Georgie? I'm going great.
1: Are you impartial in this debate?
0: I think I mostly am for this one.
1: Wonderful. Yeah. So today.
0: Mostly. 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 We'll see.
1: Mostly.
0: Mostly. I bribed her. <laughs> I, will I should have bribed, bribed her. <laughs> Damn. So if you <laughs> no have read tried. your
1: episode notes, you will know that today we are debating Pinocchio versus the nightmare before Christmas. Oh Representing wait,
2: what? Pinocchio, we have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maddie, that's right. You're old pal. Back from the dead. Is that. <laughs> All,
1: your name, or hyphenated?
3: Well, he's quite young for an old Maddie as well, which I find charming.
1: I believe yes. it's O-L. Oh, it's old Maddie. Oh. It's oh. old Maddie. Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> terribly sorry, sir. Like, so I'm misheard. <laughs> I'll also
2: accept ye oldie Maddie. But ye we're oldie we're Maddie. leaning into that. We're
1: we'll leaning into that. And representing The Nightmare Before Christmas is none other than Patrick, Patrick Aiken.
3: Patrick Aiken, yes. Yeah. Sorry, I thought I was going to say my <laughs> name and then you said it, but we got a bit of a duet. It was cute.
1: It's nice. I love a duet. All right, so we have... Rolled the dice. Mm-hmm. And we have discerned that Pinocchio will be going first. Now, in this, our second, our second round of debates, we have a new format. It is six minutes to make all of your mm-hmm. arguments, both pro your movie and con your opponents. You don't have to go for the whole six minutes, but if you do, you will get a warning tone and it will sound something like this. At five minutes, and then you'll be Mm -hmm. cut off at six very rudely by Darkwing Duck saying...
3: (laughs) The jig is up, you jaded, (laughs) jug-headed (laughs) jack-in-the-box!
1: I like that. That's a new addition. Is that clear with everyone?
3: Yes. Crystal.
1: So, Pinocchio. That's me. Matthew, you have six minutes Mm -hmm. to make your arguments, and your time starts when you start talking.
2: Welp, nothing's changed since round one and nothing will until the end of time. Pinocchio is the greatest Disney movie of all time and the greatest animated film of all time, all while being the most magical on and off the screen. 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a place of honour in the American film registry, it, its technical camera work, animated artistry with an emphasis on gravity and shadow, realistic sound design effortlessly combined with the magic that pervades a world that could very well be our own and effects all add up to say there is no limit to what can be done in a work of art and there is no limit to magic. ...magic. Above all, what sets Pinocchio above and beyond is is its willingness to take risks. This film captures the wonder and grotesque nature of adventure with the gravitas of the classic fairy tale. It is a story of enormous scope and drama, yet it is never overwhelming... Thanks to the sophisticated characters, irony and warmth and wit that all holds up today. It's a story about mistakes, about the power of truth and understanding consequences. And, above all, it understands us. All through our lives, as does our boy Pinocchio, we try to do good, try to tell the truth. And yet we go astray. This movie says, that's okay, as long as we understand the consequences and learn. We can always grow into wondrous, real humans. It was the only time when the best of the best of animation were in one place. The team comprised of who would become known as the nine old men and the animators who these legends legends looked up to. These are gods and titans of animation working on one film, dear Chiotes. The backgrounds as paintings, are look that accomplished a luxurious and rich facade that some have dubbed the Rembrandt look. Indeed, every frame is a painting, and every character moves with impeccable cross-drawn realism, cross-drawn realism into fantasy. I won't go on too much about the music, but all I will say, when you wish upon a star, is literally Disney's anthem. And who can deny the hearty jig that is... Hi, fiddly dee, and actors life for me. Copyright. In short, all of the wishing stars aligned. F- in short, all of the wishing stars aligned for Pinocchio when it came to story, cast, music, animation, and of course, magic. Pinocchio is not just a Disney film; it is Disney. It speaks of hope, affirmation, and a belief in dreams. Jiminy Cricket. But Nightmare Before Christmas, oh. In the course of hijacking Christmas from the real Santa, Skellington makes a number of crucial errors that ultimately lead to his downfall. And, as you said, he is delivered from his own destruction to find out who he is and what he is meant to do. In the end of the movie, he decides to return to his former post as Halloween Town's Night of Fright and mind his own damn business. Now, I'll be frank, Nightmare Before Christmas is a really well-told, developed told story, with developed characters, in-depth plot, great music, and immersive world, but its themes and everything it represents are far too glaring. Here's some hors d'oeuvres. Number one, on the portal entrance found by Jack, only American or Christian celebrations are shown. Where is Hanukkah town? Or the vast majority of holidays celebrated by the vast majority of people. Point two, why is Sally psychic? A lot of the magic I accept in this movie, but witches flying on brooms makes sense in context and for the story. A Frankenstein monster ragdoll lady having precognitive powers does not. Point number three, speaking of Sally, she's a slave. Everybody knows that she's a slave to Dr. Finkelstein, who makes her her do labor and literally, literally deprives her liberty. But even Jack Skellington, who's romantically interested in her, does nothing to save her. Now, in your last great battle of round one, Roz for the Rescuers argued that Jack is, quote, all about cultural appropriation and homogenization, and is in fact a metaphor for the United States. And that the only safe safe road is to stay within our own world, isolationism, isolationism and all that jazz, rather than learning from other cultures. This was addressed, however, with the clarification that the film was about the harms of cultural appropriation, and that Jack, unlike the United States, learns its his lesson by the end of the film. Ross's problem too. To the last, though, was that he hadn't changed it at the end, adding what he understood and appreciated about Christmas into, into Halloween. It was never meant to be theirs in the first place. In your own words, Patrick, is the lesson that Towns learns from, that the town learns from this film. But my problem remains. This, there is a very real message that pervades, which is simply, don't take risks. Indeed, if you attempt to disturb the sta- there yeah, Sorry? Indeed. If you intend to, to, to disturb the established order, rise above or change your station by trying new things, you'll erupt in flames alone in a cemetery. Sure, Jack got to walk away. He's undead. Back to the comfort of this so-called natural order. But can you survive a sleigh crash, little child listening? The great song Jack's lament is about how he's been doing the same thing for too long and is tired of it. Now me, I was good at my job at the warehouse, but I was tired of it, and I'll be damned if anyone's going to convince me that leaving that warehouse was a mistake. But this movie says it's outright wrong to push the limits and and try to alter our existence in a new direction. I know this ties into cultural appropriation, that him taking Christmas for his own was wrong. And it was, but he was clearly feeling pretty done with his dreary old job, and wanted to excel at something new. Why did not Santa take him as some sort of intern for Christmas? Where are the Christmas colleges? Or is Christmas only for those who traditionally practice it? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but who can dare to so say that they own a holiday? And that's not even touching how everyone celebrates holidays differently. Maybe that's Jack's Christmas, you know, giving spooky gifts to kids unsuspectingly. Even if he got to celebrate his own version of Christmas with those in Halloween Town at the very end of the film, who would appreciate it? Then it's a great lesson of sharing and understanding new holidays and new cultures. But no, by film's end, Jack goes back to his old way of life, the very same life he was so bored of. How long before he gets bored again? At least this time he'll know to stay in his place. <clears> hmm. <throat> and that's all, Maddie. All right. Okay. <laughs> Didn't he the whole time? <laughs> Wonderful. Lots of points made and
1: lots of frantic scribbling on my behalf. Facts checker mm. is all the facts.
0: The facts checked. I checked our facts about our Rotten Tomato score. It is mm-hmm. indeed at a hundred percent for the critics' review, mm-hmm. not for the um, the people's review. Oh, what, what is people's review? Audience, review. audience score is seventy two percent. Ooh, but the, the audience is wrong. <laughs> the, <laughs> the people are one hundred. Pe- <laughs> so a little bit of a difference there. <laughs> and it was indeed. It's in the the film registry. Wonderful. film or whatever. All right, so that was correct.
1: Well, now Patrick, you get a chance to answer to those outlandish accusations against your <laughs> film. Uh, your time starts when you start talking.
3: Wonderful. Thank you, Zane, and thank you, Matthew, for your robust arguments. Inflammatory, yes, but robust. Um, like your look, sled, <laughs> like <laughs> yes, like the sled. Beautiful imagery there. Um, look, we can talk about films as an AS- essayist, but let's be real. Ladies and gentlemen at home, let's talk about what matters in this debate. Hyperbole aside, what makes a great Disney film? I'll take you through the facts today that both Pinocchio and The Nightmare Before Christmas are great films. This is undeniable. But we need to ask the question which one is better. And to get to the heart of that, we need to think about why Nightmare is more popular more enduring, and has become a more important part of the Disney canon going forward. Now, Matthew, you rightfully stated that When You Wish Upon a Star has become the anthem for Disney. It's no longer the anthem for Pinocchio. In fact, it's forgotten as a song for Pinocchio. Pinocchio has been left behind by Disney. It's not a celebrated work, it's not revisited regularly, and it's not held up in any of their parks, attractions or media, where instead Nightmare Before Christmas has become a film that represents a very large part of the Disney canon. And we know that through heavy and successful merchandising for the better part of the last two decades in which Nightmare has been around. And also it's, Permanent places are mainstay within the Disney parks and attractions. Every single year, without fail, Disney World and Disneyland are turned into the worlds of Nightmare Before Christmas. Every year, people travel especially to Disney Worlds and Disneyland at those times to see those attractions and to see the way that Disney literally transforms its entire image into that of the world of the Nightmare Before Christmas as created by Henry Selick. Now... This is not to say that Pinocchio is not a good film, but it is not held in the same esteem. It is not put foot forward at the front of Disney's world anymore. It's recognised as an important part of history, but otherwise largely cast aside. When You Wish Upon a Star is a beautiful song, but it is no longer the song of Pinocchio. It's the song of Disney. It's the little jingle you hear at the start and it represents Disney, the Disney castle and those who remember it from Pinocchio will know that it once belonged to that film. Now, both films are rated extremely highly. Um, I believe that Nightmare Before Christmas has a 95% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but I'll concede I don't know whether this is the critics' rating or the audience's rating, Um, but it was received very well. Please do fact-check it. Now, where does Nightmare excel beyond Pinocchio? Why is this film better? Well, let's have a look at it. The character cast. In Pinocchio, you have some interesting characters. Two that I can remember from memory are Pinocchio and Jiminy Cricket. The rest of the characters remain to be largely not too memorable. Um, I'm sure if I revisited it, I'd enjoy them, but I can't remember names. I can't remember their function in the plot. Um, But where do we look at? Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas has a diverse cast of lovable characters that have been embraced by not only Disney fans but fans who aren't really fans of the traditional Disney work as well. You've got Jack Skellington, Sally the lovely psychic, which is amazing. I think is such a cool character point that she sees visions. Um, She's like a zombie that's resurrected by the amazing and charismatic and hilarious Dr. Finkelstein, who is quite evil. Um, We've also got Lock, Stock and Barrel who are portrayed amazingly by actors like Paul Rubens and Catherine O'Hara, who does fantastic work. We've got the mayor with the reversible face for when he's happy and sad. The singing vampires, the werewolf who constantly opines sorrow. We've got the creature from the lake, the witches Zero, the lovable ghost dog. Not to mention the interpretations of Santa Claus, and, of course, the main villain, Oogie Boogie. This is a full cast of lovable characters that have stuck with us from the first time that we saw the films and gone on with us to this point today. We love them. The characters are flawed. They are interesting, and they are funny. Also, the design of the characters is absolutely outstanding, Nightmare excels in its visual style. Pinocchio is a beautiful film, but I think it would be wrong to say that it looks better than Nightmare simply because they are both examples of artists excelling in different forms. Pinocchio is a beautiful film visually, but Nightmare really is the pinnacle of stop motion animation, and the concept of the film is why it is executed so well. In Nightmare, you have stark and beautiful contrast between Christmas Town, Halloween Town, and the real world. And this allowed for the artists to flex their muscles in tons of different ways. This isn't just a renaissance film where every scene, while beautiful, is in the same style. We see dramatic shifts of style and execution of art in the way that the world is constructed and the way that what the world is coloured and textured. The artists were allowed to explore different methods of their craft across the different worlds and do it to a point of near perfection. Um, Also, what's amazing about Nightmare is that it actually incorporates 2D animation on top of 3D animation. You have ghosts, fire, acid, all of these things popping out in a really uncanny, lifelike and animated form. On top of that, I think that Nightmare as a piece of artistry is brilliant. There are tons of beautiful 2D films made by Disney. All of them are outstanding. Nightmare is its best at stop motion. It is a step forward in the artistry of animation. The last thing I'd like to talk about is the message. I think that Nightmare Before Christmas equals Pinocchio in its sense of wonder. Um, Following Jack on his path of discovery, not only in discovery of new worlds and new people and cultures, but also importantly in what this film is about, discovery of the self, rebirth and a love of community. Nightmare uh, pops into issues like appropriation, cultural fascination and respect, the value of the beauty of outsiders and recognising that the outsiders themselves up, you as, jaded as the jaded denizens junk in the fucks. Oh. Is Very that time? Right Brutally. until the end of yes. the Darkwing. Mm. <laughs> I appreciate that. Six
0: minutes is six minutes. Six
1: minutes is six minutes <laughs> and you will have a chance to sum up your arguments after we take a quick break and... A cross examination.
0: Just as a quick fact check. Fact
3: check, please. Mm. Just for
0: our rotten tomato <coughs> scores. Yes. Uh, ninety-five on the critics and ninety-one on the audience. So
3: higher than Pinocchio. Mm. Interesting. Oh,
0: that's an average, yes. But
3: not a one hundred percent. But not a hundred percent. How the critics? many critics did uh, Pinocchio look at?
0: Uh, it is forty-nine.
3: What I
2: will say is the greatest critic of all time, Roger Ebert. He ranked Pinocchio 4 out of 4 stars and Nightmare 3.5 out of 4
1: I think maybe we can save this <laughs>
2: for later on. I'm sneaky.
1: <laughs> Alright, so we have arrived at the cross-examination section of our debate. Now... Both of you have brought up a lot of good points, some about the artistry of your films, some about the success of your films, some about your film's relationship to Disney as a whole. Now, I want to ask you about these things specifically. Now, Patrick, you brought up merchandising uh, and the success that Disney has had with merchandising the Nightmare Before Christmas characters. So I would like to ask you why that is a good Thing,
3: mm-hmm.
1: both as a text and for Disney.
3: Yeah, certainly. So I think I'll start with why it's a good thing, I think, for Disney. Now, what we know Disney as a, shall we say, as a business, mm-hmm. um, Disney likes to produce products, and those products are its films, but they also, and it's very important to Disney to have legacy within their films and they do this by, they used to do this through the director video sequels and the Disney vault and even you know, selling costumes for children and dolls and that kind of thing. The films, Disney films and good Disney films are meant to become part of your life. Disney is meant to enter your home as an identity through its products, through its intellectual properties Mm -hmm. and branding and become part of your family's life. It's something that you're meant to love and enjoy together. The success of Nightmare Before Christmas is how well that took off when no one expected it to it brought into the fold a brand new wing of disney fans that they didn't even expect to have fans who weren't perhaps into that classic disney style but loved this film so much and found a part of disney that they can resonate with are
1: you then saying Mm -hmm? that this is a good disney film because it's not disney
3: like no I'm saying that it's a good Disney film because it does exactly what Disney wants its films to do and helps it resonate with an audience that Disney doesn't usually reach and it has continued to do that successfully. You did also say that
1: they weren't intending on reaching Mm,
3: them. No, because they released released it under Touchstone.
1: Yes, and that's what yeah. I'm saying.
3: But it became exactly the kind of film that Disney wants it to be.
0: But that wasn't his intention. No, is but that doesn't matter. We're
3: talking about whether okay. it's a good Disney film I'm now. Just,
1: I, I'm just getting mm. all
3: the facts out yeah, there. Yeah. cross-examination. <laughs> it yeah, is no, going to get a yeah. – l- I'm
1: going to call you out. No, no. Um Because if you're saying that merchandising is in fact a success of the film that we should count towards Nightmare Before Christmas Mm -hmm. and its relationship to to Disney as it is. As a brand. Then I think your refutation of Matt's point about When You Wish Upon a Star being at the start of every Disney film –
3: Uh, That can't count against. I think it can because Nightmare remains its own identity. Disney sells it as Nightmare. People purchase it as Nightmare, and people love Nightmare. Disney no longer sells "When You Wish Upon a Star" as Pinocchio. They've removed it from the identity of that film. The film, no matter, sorry, the song, no matter, matters for the film. It's about Disney now. They have removed Pinocchio from it. But so, are you
1: saying that every film that Mickey Mouse has ever been in?
3: removes the, the gravitas mm, of having of Mickey, Mickey in Mouse that in a film? No, 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 because they're still selling it as Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is still important, but the song When You Wish Upon a Star is now no longer linked to the identity of Pinocchio. I, when, I hear, when I hear yeah. When You
1: Wish Upon a Star, I, but, I think... I
0: think Pinocchio. Uh,
1: and Disney. Oh, that's but what let's that, yeah. talk
3: about general audiences. What most people think and what I think is I picture the White Castle. When I hear that tune, the first image is the White Castle because on every video, on every DVD, at the start of every single Disney film, that tune plays. It doesn't say here's the song from Pinocchio. It establishes it as the Disney song. I just don't I just don't believe
1: that what you're saying counts against Pinocchio because I feel that Disney is tying yeah. itself back to this text. It opens the door to go back this, to this, Pinocchio. This is what we are about. This, yep. When you wish upon a star, magic can happen and yes. that's what Disney is and that's but what Pinocchio But they never is
3: say about. or show the imagery of Pinocchio and they don't require well, audiences to understand something that. something
1: I would like to get onto now mm. with the grotesquerie that is in both of your films. Both of you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like Matt to give you a chance to justify what why the grotesqueries that honestly probably the first time Disney really lent into that was in Pinocchio. Mm. So I'll give you a chance to talk about why that is a, 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 a point for your film and not a point for Nightmare Before Christmas, which does a very similar thing.
2: Well, whereas Nightmare Before Christmas uses grotesquerie as a stylistic kind of world-building decor, for Pinocchio, it's part of the moral thematic lesson directly tied to the story mm-hmm. and the prestige of the film as a piece of art, not just a short for kids. Indeed, Russian filmmaker uh, Sergei Eisenstein, who tops the greatest films ever made at the time list with a movie, the movie Battleship Potemkin, he listed it as one of the greatest films of all time. He saw cinematic freedom. Cartoons could represent any visual an artist could imagine. And you could do that because of this grotesquerie. In the one of the best scenes of all time, when Pinocchio is locked in a cage in Stromboli's ca- um, caravan, and he's eventually saved, saved by the blue fairy. And before she comes, there's lightning coming. You feel the caravan mm-hmm. shake. It's terrifying. And then his one chance at liberation is this fairy saying who is a very well-fleshed-out character, by the way, expertly played by a thespian behind the scenes and great kind of, like, motion drawing. Anyway, I digress. Um, (laughs) You are digressing. (laughs) um, She she asks her point blank, like, how did you get in here? And he lies. And then the nose grows. And this at first comical kind of, like, what's happening? But then he keeps lying and it keeps growing. And it becomes more and more plain that this is what happens if you lie. It becomes as plain as as the nose on your face. And... When you watch this scene with kids next to you, you look beside them and they can just see like the real kind of consequences of all of their implicit fears coming to life on the screen. And that's just like one example of how the grotesqueness like brings the consequences of the moral lesson into the forefront of people's minds. Okay. So what you're saying is that
1: the grotesquery acts as a moral in Pinocchio. Exactly. Whereas in the nightmare before Christmas, it's more of a more of just a style rather than an actual. Yeah, it's uh, semantic. It's, okay.
2: You know, it's you know, ooh, spooky, spooky. Um, isn't this like? It's very iconic It's it's a strong in iconography for merchandising. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned before how a Disney's movie's goal should be to be part of a family's life. Well, because of the grotesqueness of Monstro and the scene where. Um, I can't remember his name, but he go he turns into a, into a mule because yes, of the vice yeah. on Pleasure Island. The best part of that scene is when it turns away from him and it's just his shadow turning into a donkey. Of that transformation, it's almost comical. Like in Midsummer Night's Dream, when Bottom grows the donkey ears, mm-hmm. when he grows the ears and the tail, that's like, oh, this is kind of weird. But then they turn away for the easily the most grotesque part of that transformation when his flesh would literally turn into a donkey's hide. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely.
1: And, I, I I accept that point.
2: Yeah. Um. Moving on,
1: mm. I would like you both to um, talk a little bit about the style of your film because mm-hmm. Nightmare Before Christmas is stylistically very unique in the Disney canon, mm. uh, but Pinocchio, again, was the first time that they uh, did a lot of things artistically. Again, you brought up the the nine old men of, of yep. Disney. Um, so I'd like you to talk a little bit about why your style specifically um, is – a pro for you and not for the other film. So we'll start with
3: Patrick. Can I quickly address a couple of things? Sure. Very quickly. Yes, (laughs) so to succinctly wrap up why I think the merchandising is important, Mm -hmm. it's how people connect with the film and it's represented by the very high uh, uh, people's Rotten Tomatoes score. Mm. People like it and the fact that people engage with it and buy it means that it is loved by people and that's the core of Disney films—they're meant to be loved—and I think that is physical proof that you can track. Absolutely. Instead of saying people should love it, we know that they do. Um, speaking on the grotesque, because you did say we'd both be able to talk on it very oh, briefly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: well, that, this, this again tying in, and into this the is style. this is part of the style, yeah. so
3: that's why I want to tie it in. Nightmare Before Christmas uses grotesque for comedy and wonder, and that's extremely important in family films and especially children's films. It brings joy and spectacle into the film. It's squeamish. But it's also exciting. It lets us see things that feel dark and forbidden and that we shouldn't quite be looking at what we are. But that is wonderful for children. It's something new. It allows us to lift up the curtain on what feels like something that has only existed in our nightmares before. The song What's This, which is emblematic of the film, is about discovering new worlds and that is the joy of Nightmare Before Christmas. We discover Jack's world with its brains and clowns and skeletons and zombies um, and all of that that we get to watch for the first time in the opening song as it's unveiled before us. But then we get to discover even more. We follow Jack, who is used to this world, as he discovers the contrast with the grotesque and the dark, with the style and the new worlds of Christmastown and then the human world. And it's that sense of discovery and wonder by the grotesque, which is why Nightmare uses it so well. And I would argue better than Pinocchio, If we're talking about the use of grotesque, mm-hmm. it does it with more purpose. It's not just to frighten, it's to excite and inspire, and that's important. As for the why Nightmare does its style better? I believe that it explores more options. The physically built sets not only give us senses of texture and lighting and allow the camera to physically move through the spaces so you are propelled through the scenes, but also they have an innate geography. And geography is something that is extremely difficult to achieve in film. Most films fall down. In Nightmare, no matter where you are physically in a scene, you know that that scene's place in relation to the rest of the physical world. Mm-hmm. You understand how the characters got there, and where they'd go if they started walking in a direction. It's amazing, and it's done extremely well, and you can only achieve that through physical sets, through stop motion, and I believe it is done perfectly, and it adds so much more to a film which is about exploring new worlds to physically put people there, and that's why I believe it does it stronger than Pinocchio.
1: All right. Matthew, can you talk a little bit about the style of
2: Pinocchio? Absolutely. But one thing I will address before getting into that, because I didn't quite get it before. Uh, Pinocchio is in the public consciousness in that no one has read the original Adventures of Pinocchio's books. But when we think about our nose growing when we lie, that's because of Disney's Pinocchio. So yes, we don't buy the merch, but it's in our public consciousness. Um... As for the style, I disagree that Pinocchio doesn't use its style to create great growth and scope. Because we go from the cozy abode of Geppetto's workshop, which is a whole dance sequence in itself um, equ- that we could compare to Bugsby Berkeley with all of the puppets and the clockworks going off. That's a whole world, world his clocks. Then we go outside into the sh- to cobblestone streets of the Italian town and we meet a variety of characters, all Larger than life thespian but real because you could tell that they got real stage performance to perform it. So we meet Honest John and a, ca- um, a sidekick who, fun fact, was reco- was voiced by Mel Blanc but then Disney decided to cut his lines. No. Yeah. He <laughs> <And that's-> never <laughs> cut Mel Blanc's lines. Well, oh, he bad did. Bad move. And that was <laughs> the movie. only time Mel Blanc <laughs> worked for Disney. But it's anyway, um, so we go from that town. Then we go to <laughs> underwater, like animation underwater when they had already mastered gravity with um, on the surface then they take they up the ante immediately and they go into this whole underworld uh, underwater world where gravity suddenly is being played with in ways that they'd never even imagined before they using they use scope in which they used a certain technique which escapes me right now so please look I'll, I'll look, look this look it up <laughs> but it was a I'll way especially when monstro is like sniffing the boat in he's not on the screen but they're being pulled into a frame that doesn't exist yet and that is evolution um, animation style. And in terms of, you know, only a physical world can give you that scope when you can move through it, there's a great aerial shot at the start of the, of the Italian village that goes down onto the village using multi-pane animation style that created a zoom effect that let it let us seamlessly travel into Geppetti's workshop through the window.
1: Alright. Uh, I'm going to stop you there. There we go. Because I have possibly the most important question now. Oh, Ooh, I'm excited. There want, is a fundamental yourself? difference between Men Before Christmas and Pinocchio, and that is in its moral. member Before Christmas returns to the status quo, having learned and, ex- and grown, but returning back home. It's a Wizard of Oz sort of story. Yes. What you needed, you had all along. Mm-hmm. Pinocchio is more of an adventure, and growing through that adventure is a coming-of-age story. Mm-hmm. I would like both of you to tell me why you think your film – is more important in its story, in the, in the story that it tells along those lines, than your opponents. And we'll start with with Patrick, um, with uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah.
3: Um, Now I'm going to do something very stupid and disagree with you, Zane. Okay. While I do understand that people would read what is happening in Nightmare Before Christmas as a return to the status quo, because that does happen, I don't believe that's what the film is about. That's a byproduct of the theme of the film. The film is not about the status quo. It's about discovering true identity. That manifests for Jack Skellington as him returning home. This is... So are you? Are you then? I'm going. I can continue what I think the theme is and why the model is important. Are you
1: saying that then Pinocchio has the same theme as that? No. Okay. I'll
3: leave that up to Matt as to what he wants to say. <laughs> the theme <that> Pinocchio is. <laughs> well, well, but I, was, he, this what the is what I'm. This being. is what I'm asking. Yeah, so
1: I, I want if I, I I put out there that mm. during during your arguments you mm. said that the themes of your uh, respective films were. To these two different things. If you're then saying that the theme is not that, I would then I would say that that would change what I'm, what I'm okay. judging here. So can I would we, like yeah. you to say where the theme differs from Pinocchio. Yes,
3: I can tell okay. you that. Wonderful. So what I believe the core of Nightmare Before Christmas is, and while this does manifest as a return to home, it's a homecoming, it is um, it's Ulysses, uh, what we see It's about the importance of recognising and growing into who you are and who you can be for others and your place and importance in the community and how you are loved. Self-discovery, as Nightmare shows us, can be painful and embarrassing and people can feel hurt, but we will grow into who we can and will be and it's worth it to take the time to find that. Um, And the point is because who you are is important. Who you are has value not only to yourself but to those who love you in the community even if you feel lost that has true value and it's worth it to find mm-hmm. who you are and i believe that nightmare as a whole the film is truly about self-discovery and the importance of accepting who you are when you feel like an outsider and that's manifested um halloween town they are all outsided. they are Classed and visualized as outsider creatures that we're not meant to be able to identify with and yet we see them go through journeys of self-discovery and it tells us that even if you are the outsider, finding who you are is important and you will be loved for that. I believe that that is a more important message and is explored more complexly than the message in Pinocchio, which is a fantastic fable. It's a good little story and it's good basic moral message of be true to yourself. But Nightmare explores the fact that that is difficult, that is painful, and even though it may feel like you're taking the wrong turn every step of the way, you will be loved and supported and you'll reach something. And I think that's why it identifies so well with so many communities and people. This is a time where a lot of us feel lost in the world,
1: I will. In Nightmare Before Christmas, Jack is very heavily ostracized for him. You, you, say, you say that you will be loved and you will be supported. Yes. He goes against the entire community. To and do they what he follow does. him.
3: With joy and excitement with skepticism <laughs> who is who is skeptical of Jack? Uh, wasn't the entire town? No, no, they fall in line the and Mayor, but then the when witches. they realize but why they then start to doubt what is happening and why Sally fears it is because it's not representative of his true identity. something has gone wrong and he needs to turn back to return to his true self. That's part of the moral. He's being someone who he is not it's a false identity and that's why it goes wrong.
2: Okay Pinocchio Yes. Well, you're quite right. Pinocchio is a classic fable. It is, I mean, what better moral story is there than be true to yourself, let your conscience be your guide and, you know, don't lie, be, you know, be true. Um, but, yeah, it's the ultimate coming-of-age story. It's a story about, you know, becoming a real boy and it's not an easy road for Pinocchio. He goes astray all the time, always think, wishing, thinking he's doing the best he can by him. And ignoring his friend, Jiminy Cricket, like one of his only friends in the world. And why Geppetto let a literally kid that was born yesterday go to school by himself is beyond me. I'll concede that. (laughs) 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 I hadn't actually ever
3: thought about that. (laughs) But,
2: yeah. It was simpler times. Yeah, yeah, it's a story about, you know, you can't always trust everyone else. But as long as you be true to yourself and you... figure out the people you can trust, which is not an easy journey. And Pinocchio says that it's not an easy journey to find out who your tribe is and who you can trust. Once you find out all of those things and you learn from the consequences of your mistakes, which are important to growing, you deserve to be a real boy. Like Pinocchio thought he failed at the end of the story, but then the fairy comes down. And it's like, no, this whole time you have been true to yourself because you've learned, you've been true, honest, And I can't remember the last uh, third (laughs) one. (laughs) Bad look old, (laughs) Maddie. Okay, I've heard
1: enough. We shall take another quick break and then we'll be back with our closing arguments uh, just after this. All right, final round. Three (laughs) minutes to sum up all of your arguments
3: can't Both. handle the pressure.
1: You, well, you have yes, to. I'm cracking, Zane. Zane. All right, well, this is, this is how it ends Patrick then. may collapse. Right. We don't know yet. <laughs> uh, you will not get a warning at two minutes. You'll just be cut off at three by Darkwing Duck uh, yelling at you. So, Matthew, mm-hmm. you'll be going first, telling us why Pinocchio is the best Disney film ever made and why Nightmare Before Christmas is not. Your time starts when you start talking.
2: Okay, well, Pinocchio is the ultimate Disney movie. It is Disney, as I said from the beginning. It is also the ultimate moral tale. It has real consequences that frighten children. People think back to Pinocchio who haven't seen it since with a like more matured mind, and all they remember is being scared and the morality of... You know, I've got to tell the truth, otherwise I'll be eaten by a whale, and I've got to go save my papa. Um, we go from great scope. The artistry of this film is impeccable. We go from the humble um, Italian village to the bowels of Monstro, where you see his guts and his and his skeleton, and the water gushes through. And when he smokes and when he sneezes, and the smoke bellowing from his uh, blowhole, it is mythic in scale, the scale of this movie, while also being personal with intimate, wonderfully drawn characters, pun intended. We've got, like, even the cat has, like, a little bratty attitude. The cat, um, the, um, the fish, vies for Figaro, um, for Geppetto's attention, just as Figaro does, like, like squabbling siblings. And then Pinocchio comes in and everyone loves him. It's a family that you're embraced into. Now, Nightmare Before Christmas's style is great, yes, but it's always bringing attention to itself, and that it is a stop-motion movie. Whereas with, and it's frankly, and I love Nightmare Before Christmas and it's an achievement, but it's not the best stop-motion can be because we've got Studio Leica with Kubo and the two strings. That's a whole other thing. Whereas Disney's Pinocchio is the pinnacle of what animation can be. I defy anyone to find a better example of gravity, shadow, lightning, lighting. And not only that, but traditional German expressionist c- cinematography unmatched in both In in any animation, and it equals the greatest films ever made, as my boy Sergei Sergei Eisenstein said. It is just the greatest animated film of all time, bar none. (laughs) Jiminy Cricket, signing
1: (laughs) off. All right. Didn't need all three minutes. Solid sign-off. Lots of great points. Uh, My hand is sore. Patrick, you will have three minutes now. Your time will start. When you start talking to tell us why The Nightmare Before Christmas is the best Disney film ever made and why Pinocchio is not.
3: I'm going to try and keep this nice and simple. Nightmare Before Christmas and Pinocchio are both excellent films and they're both examples of artistry at its finest in very different forms. I almost think it's silly to try and say that one does what it does better than the other. So when we're thinking about what makes an excellent Disney film, we need to think about what is loved more. What at the core of the people who love Disney, the fans of Disney, what represents a more important part of the Disney film canon to them? Now, what has been embraced more? Not just by critics, not just by Sergey. Hey, you leave Sergey out I of this. I will not leave Sergey out of this, sir. <laughs> but by Disney fans. I maintain that what makes Nightmare Before Christmas a better Disney film, the point of this debate series, than Pinocchio is the fact that fans, that the people, love it more. It is more prominent, more popular. The audience repeatedly engages with it as a product and as a sign of what Disney has to offer. The constant re-releases of, um, it's got special releases and films, there's clothing lines, toy lines. It's amazing. And the fact that this little film that wasn't even intended to be part of Disney's core filmography has exploded into something that Disney fans love and continue to love and is at the front and center of what Disney now represents as a diverse film company means that it is a better Disney film. I love Pinocchio, Pinocchio is a great film but Nightmare Before Christmas is more loved and I believe that is the difference that matters here.
1: Right, bold, wonderful, this is a hard choice. Please Mm. spend some time elaborating more on why you like each other's films while I go over my notes.
0: Do some thank you very much.
1: Is there any facts that need to be checked before we do that, Georgie?
0: Nothing that stood out to me as I uh, was
3: pointed out. You you did point out that I made a uh, bit of a blunder with the Disney The Disneyland
0: parks. In, in Patrick's initial thing, he said, every single Halloween, everything is nightmare before Christmas, which it is not.
3: No. Ha- the haunted realize. mansion. I, I haunted couldn't.
0: mansion is often, but not everything is having been it.
3: No, not Disneyland everything is reloaded nightmare. Before so there Christmas. was a
0: little bit of exaggeration on that. Bit of hyperbole. Also, yeah. there's <laughs> a Pinocchio ride there all year oh, round. Oh, you yeah, are you Disney right? Disney. I'm sorry. We said saying.
3: you said you were coming in unbiased, young lady.
0: I'm just giving my opinion from oh, both okay. perspectives. Good to
2: see my twenty cents is coming in handy.
0: <laughs>
3: twenty cents. <laughs> never afford twenty that kind of cash. <laughs> um, I suppose a
0: high price here
3: to talk about. Why I love Nightmare, but I mean (laughs) Pinocchio. Um, That
2: was cheeky.
3: Pinocchio, I think, is an extremely important movie within the Disney filmography because it represents the starting point for where Disney came from and the level of artistry that they can achieve as a company. Snow White is beautiful, but Pinocchio is the next step up and really is a... It's a standing post for Disney saying, this is what we can do. Indeed. And Mm -hmm. even if... Uh, general audiences in the year 2019 don't re-watch Pinocchio as much as they might re-watch um, Nightmare Before Christmas, even if like, the soundtrack to Nightmare Before Christmas is more popular. It doesn't discount the importance and the artistry that, Di- that Pinocchio had, not only as a Disney film, but representing animation yeah. as a form of filmmaking and storytelling in the way that Disney reinvents, like you said, Matt, mm. classic fairy tales to make them an important part of the cultural phenomenon that they are. Nightmare before Christmas, I'll shoot myself in the foot, is basically a reimagining of how the Grinch stole Christmas. Yeah. 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 I think it's better than how the Grinch stole Christmas, but that's Absolutely. what it is. And it, that kind of classical re-storytelling where Disney puts a spin on something and makes it part of the cultural canon starts with films like Pinocchio and I think that's super important and it set the legacy for what Disney became. Absolutely.
1: This is rough.
0: Do
2: I, do I do I get a
3: chance to talk about
2: Nightmare? No, you no. don't get a chance. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I want to bring one thing up. Please. As much, okay, because I love Nightmare Before Christmas and I love, it's not just its main story. but You've got to watch it. You've got to watch it every, yeah. every holiday season. Yeah, the world building of it is amazing. But one thing I've always been curious about mm. is that of its many creepy residents, like the monster under the bed, who's probably the scariest monster there. Terrifying. Uh, the clown that removes its own face Orf. and leaves a gaping mm. hole. The devil is there. He's so cool. He may be he may be cool, Patrick. That clown is scary, but the devil's the real devil cool. Well, the way he great. talks is really
3: cool. He talked like this.
2: He may be cool, Patrick. Yeah. But you got Satan in Halloween Town. And at the end of the movie, Jack Skellington walks through a grave to get back t- to get back home. Yeah. Which means all graves lead to Halloween Town. Which means, is Halloween Town oh. hell?
3: I think the devil Ooh. is actually a demon. What? I think he's coded as that traditional devil figure because he kind of just, like, makes toys with the rest of them, which is interesting. Maybe that's what the devil likes to do. I think that...
0: (laughs) We don't know. I think what you're getting at, and
3: it's an interesting idea, is that these special holiday worlds are coded somewhat as ethereal places, and whether they exist beyond normal human life is a really cool idea that we don't have time to unpack right now. That's well, a whole nother. <laughs> Pure for the sequel, make it. Yeah, Disney. well, maybe, maybe next round we'll get to
1: uh, discuss that. But before we get there, we I have to make a decision. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, Now, both of you made very convincing arguments for why the animation and the style of your film is both important to it and to Disney as a whole. And Pinocchio is a masterpiece, but The Nightmare Before Christmas also really put, uh, stop motion animation on, on the, map. the map and popularized it and it was a phenomenon and it, I, I think a lot of the success of things like Kubo and the two strings do owe that to nightmare before Christmas and Disney um, as a whole um, again a, a lot of you both both of you spoke about the casting and the character design now nightmare before Christmas um, had a great cast and we didn't really touch on that. Uh, in Pinocchio again because the style of filmmaking when we got to Nightmare Before Christmas is very That's different very, where, mm. you, where you do cast a lot of known people to do where you, where I mean, How many Pinocchio years are part time. of these
3: films? Well, 1940 is Pinocchio. And, yep. then, and then 1993. Like, yeah. yeah, so yes. 53 years. <laughs> <laughs> and things change.
2: Just a little bit. Much, much like, and much like old Hollywood movies, they were all thespians that were really yeah. breaking into Hollywood, especially in voice acting. So, yeah.
1: And also you tried to keep the cast numbers down to mm. keep costs down. Mm. Uh, so... The, I think the difference in era can account for a lot of what you were holding against the other films. Um, bo- both <laughs> Pinocchio against Nightmare Before Christmas with the commercial kind of ideas and with Nightmare Before Christmas and Pinocchio with the the more like that's what Disney was then mm. ideas. So I can't really hold that against it. Um, fair. <laughs> yeah. I tried. That being said, <laughs> I think everyone sitting at this table agrees that both these films are great in their own way. Um however, Patrick, you never really dealt with some of the things that Maddie brought up about the problematic themes that are presented in Nightmare Before you Christmas. You can listen to
3: the initial episode. You, you can, <laughs> you can <laughs> listen to The Fans, Nightmare Before Christmas versus the adventurous, great episode. Well, I addressed that. <laughs> that argument. No, fair, point and, fair and point. and I
1: will say, Matthew, you never really dealt with the, uh, the, the accusations of Pinocchio kind of being pushed to the back of all the princesses and the success of other Disney titles. Yeah. However, Nightmare's commercial success is Mm. massive and we can't ignore that. But Disney did adopt Nightmare and made it its baby, whereas I think Pinocchio became Disney as it is with When You Wish Upon a Star and Jiminy Cricket, like – when you say Jiminy Cricket, you know that character. Mm. And when you think of Pinocchio, you think of Disney, the Disney version. You're not, not that creepy 90s <laughs> Italian <laughs> yeah. film. Has creep- anyone yeah. seen one. that? It's oh. so as much <laughs> as it <laughs> breaks <laughs> my heart to say it... <sighs> Pinocchio is the better Disney Whoa. Film.
3: Yeah, no, look, fair, fair. I Ooh. think I might actually agree with you, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, I think it's the right it's choice the right to, right to make. Choice. So c- <laughs>
0: it's
3: <the right> Congratulations, <laughs> Matthew.
1: Claps through um, gritted teeth. <laughs> well, you will be you. going through to the next Ooh. round. Uh, um There will still be uh, social media polls up, so if you think I've made the wrong choice and you would be more than uh, correct to to, to (laughs) suggest that I may have, Uh, feel free to go on there and make your opinion known. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we'll be back same time next week with another Disney vs Disney debate. Thank you very much, Patrick, for fighting so valiantly for The Nightmare Before Christmas. I can't
3: take the stress of these anymore. They are getting to me (laughs) I will. I'll so say much.
1: that Oogie Boogie is one of my all-time favorite Disney characters.
3: See, Monstro is one of mine. <laughs> yeah, Monstro's <laughs> so Monstro's good. amazing.
1: Thank you, Georgie, for fact-checking <laughs> us all the way to the end. And thank you, Matthew, and congratulations again. Thank you very much. We'll see you next round for another debate. Until next week, keep watching Disney, everyone. Jiminy Crick. <laughs> <laughs>
0: to be listening to the floof and Papa podcast i'm mel i'm taylor and we're going to talk about all things dogs dog stories dog breeds dog tips and
2: tricks dog puns dog jokes dog everything out if you're not listening
3: uh hit us up at the floof and Papa podcast wherever you get your podcast tune in
1: uh, that's not Gunner kind of productions podcast
3: busy day
0: ahead why not save time and shop online at supervalue.ie? Order before 12 noon and have your shopping delivered today. Let our expert pickers do the shopping for you and our helpful drivers deliver it when you get home. Download the SuperValue app now or shop online at supervalue.ie.
3: In Tuesday's Farming Independent, the increasing numbers of dairy farmers switching to robotic milking systems. In Property, we take a look inside a farm on the market for 1.1 million in Kerry. And Dara McCullough asks if Taylor Swift's new look can help halt the collapse in wool prices. The Farming Independent, real stories worth paying for. In print or subscribe at independent.ie.